Hi, minasan, konnichiwa, and welcome to the Board Game Dojo, the podcast from Tokyo, Japan. My name is Eric, and I want to sincerely thank you for joining us today. Whether this is your first episode, you listen to every episode, or somewhere in between, I so, so appreciate you giving us the time and tapping on our little podcast. Today, we have a special guest and therefore a special list to give you today. He is the founder and CEO of TravelGames.co. UK, which just started in May and probably will be interesting to our audience because not only do they specialize in games that you can take on your travel, so small little games, but they import games from all over the world, including Japan and South Korea and a little bit from Singapore. Here is Ben Davenport. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi,、uh, thanks for having me.、Uh, it's really great to be here on the show.、Uh... Yeah, it's great to have you. So, I mean, there's a couple of big announcements that you actually have for us today.、Um, one of which、uh, is a little bit of a shopping perk for Board Game Dojo listeners. Do you want to tell、uh, the audience a little bit about that? Yeah. So,、um, until the end of August,、uh, we'll have a special、um, Board Game Dojo discount code for our website. So, that will get you 5% off、um, any, game on the, any games on the、uh, store.、Um, We've got stuff at the moment in from Japan, Korea,、um, some from Singapore, some from Brazil, Chile. So, all over the world, you can put them all into your cart. And rather than having all those import fees from all over the place,、um, you can just get them from one place and kind of put them all in the basket if you want to. And you said the promo code for that is Board Game Dojo 5?、Uh, correct. So, that's Board Game Dojo 5, four capitals,、um, no spaces. And that will get you 5% off、um, anything across the store. Cool. And you've got some good stuff that we have really positively reviewed on the channel,、um, like Ito, which is one of those games that we said is the best party game in years. And our most recent YouTube video, Take the A Chord Second Edition, which is really, really hard to find outside of Japan for a decent price.、Um, but another thing that is actually going to be really exciting is we are teaming up for a challenge with some other popular podcasts in this kind of niche that we're in. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because you're the one who is. I don't know if sponsoring is the right word, but you're the one who has instigated the challenge from all of us. And can, so tell us a little bit about this challenge and who's participating. And then we'll, after this, we'll get into the list itself. Yep.、Um, so this was a challenge that actually semi caused the creation of travelgame.co.uk.、Um, so when、uh, my wife and I go on holiday,、um, we used to take lots and lots of small games with us and they would take over the bags and You wouldn't have much space for everything else that you wanted to take.、Um, then at some point, we realized that if we just took an exit game, which we don't care about because it's play once and then it goes in the bin in the recycling, wherever,、um, that box you're not particularly precious about. So we'd take, open, the open the cellophane, open the box, and then we'd fill the rest of the exit box with other games. And then it became like the travel box. We could play the escape room on holiday.、Um, Take that out, and we'd have a bit of space left for when we come back.、Um, so I was thinking about this, and then、uh, I proposed it as a challenge、um, to、uh, Board Game Dojo,、uh, Trick Talkers podcast, and Dads on a Map podcast. I've also、uh, forwarded it onto a couple of other、um, people in the area. So we've got Taylor from Taylor's Trick Taking Table as well, who's put together a、uh, list as well.、Um, so it's just interesting to see what people will cram into this. Very small box.、Um, and、uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing、um, what everyone puts together. 
Yes, I got to put together. I got to put together my box. I think. I think I have a little bit of an advantage because, like, Japanese games in general are just so much smaller than foreign games. So I'm interested, but it's going to be hard going against uh, other podcasts that are really focused in on trick taking games. So it's a lot of cards. So I'm hoping I can catch up in small components. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you can always swap out those components as well for other things or multi-use them. Um, you might just toss out the entire exit game and just fill it with one single board game that you really like. Um, you know, it's it, it, it could vary quite a lot, which would be interesting. I'll just uh, I'll just put in a deck of cards and I'll be like, look at how many games I got. I got Texas Hold'em. I got Regicide. I've got so many games here. I don't think that that counts. I'd be again pretty advantageous. Um, but so let's so speaking of travel games, let's actually get to the list and you know what the title of this podcast episode is actually going to be. So you proposed as a list. And so when I have guests on the show, I always kind of ask them what they would like to talk about on the show. Um, something that they kind of like to think about that maybe I don't normally think about. And you came up with a great idea, which is going around the world in 10 games. So tell us about the rules of this of this list. Okay. Um, so the rules on this list are based on um, a particular type of flight ticket um, that was available when I graduated from university. Um, we never used it, unfortunately, so I haven't done a round trip. Um, but essentially, you could have um, 10 flights, and the rule that they had was that you couldn't go back on yourself. So it's a bit like the river in Carcassonne. Uh, you can never fly backwards. Um, so you either go east or you go west, and you keep going in that direction. So you, you go east uh, and you continue going in that direction. You can't go back on yourself. Um, and then when you get to the country on your uh, theoretical trip, uh, you can, we'll explain the game that we've chosen to play in that country uh, and if there's anything that we would like to see whilst we were there, basically. So if we've got a little bit of a fact or something like that, then great. Uh, if not, we'll just kind of move on from there. And, I think uh, I'm and yeah, so I'm going around the world and then make it back to the UK. Okay, cool. Well, actually, so I was I when I made this list, um, I and I think we did this a little bit differently. I interpreted that when you told it to me that the name of the city or the country have to be in the name of the game. So my ten are all games that have the city name or the um, country name. But you're doing it a little bit differently. Yes. So um, some of mine follow that same um, rule. Some of them are kind of themed about around that country. Um, and one of them, which to be honest, I've put in just because I really wanted to include that country and that location in. Um, and then I found best thing that we had published that you could only really get there. So that's a bit of fudge, but that's because I wanted to travel there, not more <laughs> than anything else. Well, it is your list and you're the guest. So I do allow one. Trust me, I had Sam from the board game duel on and he cheated his whole way up his top 10 two player only games, giving us like, you can play this at one, two and four. That's not a two player only game. So. So I think we can allow it, but OK. <laughs> All right. So where are you starting? Because for me, I'm starting on in honor of you. I'm starting in the UK. Where are you starting? Okay, I'm starting in the Midlands in the UK. Uh, I'm going to get in the car and drive myself to Manchester Airport straight away and hop on a plane um, 
straight over. Um, we're going east. Well, I'm going east. Um, so I'm going to head to Dusseldorf in Germany, um, just south, I think, off the top of my head of Essen. Um, so because this is my imaginary flight, I've timed it perfectly so I can take in Essen and pick up some more games whilst I'm there. Um, Very nice. And, uh, Do you eat the Biscoff cookies on the plane? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, uh, and then um, the game that I will be playing there is very, very travel friendly, very portable. Hands are two ton, which is definitely not a small box. Um, oh, my! I don't think I have a single small box game on my list. Oh, have you got a whole bag for you, for you just for your games, and then you know another travel bag? Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. So, Hans Tutonica, I guess I could swap the board out for a printed fabric board if I was really pushing it, because um, the rest of it's just bits. Um, but this is one of my favorite kind of bigger box of games. Um, takes a while to get past the beige cover on it, um, but it doesn't, once you've taught it and you've kind of gone through that first game, um, it's a great game of being mean. Um, never plays out the same way. And, um, yeah, always a good time. Um, so uh, by far one of my favorite games. Completely replaces like things like Ticket to Ride and those kind of lighter route builders, I suppose. Um, yeah, so that's my first choice. And I suppose once I get to yeah Germany, um, I'm not really a big city person, so I'll, I'll do the Essen thing, probably find it reasonably overwhelming, and then I'll run off into the forests and just go and chill and have some walks. So um, that's well, Yeah, I do feel like like with this list, we're also going to learn about what kind of vacationer we are. So yeah, that'll be interesting. So I'm starting in, uh, as I said, in the UK at a place called Glastonbury Tour. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but yep. this is because uh, that is because I am going to be starting with the Arthurian legend, and. This is one of the this is the this is one of the places that is rumored to be a part of that legend, I believe, correct? Yep. Yeah, so I'm going with Tournament at Avalon as my first game, which is actually, I think, the smallest box that I have. Um, it is a trick-taking game that is, I think the best way that I've actually heard it described is it's trick-taking for people that love innovation and glory to Rome and that kind of game where it is super swingy, it can feel really mean, it can feel very random, but it is especially fun. This is um, actually the second version of it. The first one is Tournament at Camelot, so also like kind of a mythological um, place. But Tournament Avalon apparently fixes a lot of the over-swinginess and overly mean bits and makes it a bit more um, a game that I, more like hobbyists are going to be more into um and i just like the authorian legend honestly i'm really interested in it so going to the place where it's kind of rumored that a lot of the story takes place it's one of the like rumored locations of the holy grail things like that um I, it just seems like a really cool place to go and that's kind of where i want to start that sounds really interesting um i've not played that one. Um, I think I've been put off by the kind of, again, beige art. Maybe I'm a bit of a, <laughs> a bit off put by beige art. Um, I have to kind of get past it. But now that you've mentioned uh, innovation with that, which is the most incredibly beige game, and I do love that 
the game. Um, so contradicting myself already. Um, yeah, I'm tempted to give that one a go. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a it's um it's a trick taking game in which you have HP. So it's kind of cool. But anyway, that is my first. That's my starting point. Uh, Avalon at Glastonbury Tour. So you are in Germany, though. You're a little bit ahead of me. Where are you heading next? Yeah. Where am I heading next? So I'm going to get uh, back on the plane, and I'm going to fly south slightly, and I'm going to fly down to Milan in Italy. Um, so um, the game I've taken with me, this one is a smaller box, which is good. Um, it plays, I think, three to six off the top of my head, and that game is Condottieri. Or Condottieri? I don't know. I think that's about, that's right, but who knows? Um I'm probably going to butcher a few names of places. So, oh, you and me both. Uh, um, but again, it's kind of a card game, kind of an area control game. Um, bit of bluffing, always a good laugh. Better with more people. Um, so you play out cards from your uh, hand, and that will build up the strength of your armies. Um, we can do all sorts of funny things, like um, you build up a really, really strong army. Um, Everyone thinks you're going to absolutely defeat them. And then you just replace them with a scarecrow and uh, take all your cards back into your hand. And someone will uh, then win the match against you. But you have stored all of your army back for another turn. Um, it it really, really can have some really funny moments, with, especially with uh, that. Um, you also have the ability to take control of the Pope and put him in different areas of Italy. So I should say, um, when you win a round, and you take control of different zones in Italy, and you're trying to get the majority uh, kind of covering that. Um, but you can take control of the Pope, and we call him the Pope of Nope, because once he goes into an area, you're not allowed to fight in there because the Pope doesn't approve of fighting. Um, so that's always good. Um, and um, yeah, that's Pondicherry. And I suppose whilst I'm in Milan, it'd be rude not to you know, like go and hunt down the ice cream and the pizza, as you'd expect from Italy. Um, but I'd probably also head off into the Dolmites and go and do a bit of Via Ferrata. So that's kind of rock climbing mixed with Go Ape Adventure Park, where you just clip onto a big metal wire, walk, climb. Uh, I don't really like the zip wires, so I'd avoid those and go over some terrifying bridges uh, and then come back down <laughs> uh, at the end of the day. So it's quite a nice day out getting to exciting places without too much complicatedness. So yeah sounds, sounds pretty good and there's you know every once in a while when people are describing certain board games you get sentences that you don't really get elsewhere in life and nowhere else have i heard you can control the pope and get turned into a scarecrow so like all right <laughs> i, I want to track down this game it's it sounds it sounds interesting i it's one of those where i heard of it but i actually haven't seen it actually played in the wild you know what i mean no, um, like i've never yeah yeah, it's a hard one to find because it was out of print for quite a while. And ah, maybe that's why. Okay, slightly different rules. Um, the key thing I would say, if anyone does pick it up, is there's some really, really good player guides and rules teaching guides on um, Board Game Geek, and you can get it to the table, give everyone a player aid, and it it's much easier to teach. If you're trying to teach it just from the rule book, it's a bit of a nightmare. Um, so, yeah popped up there okay that's good uh, it's also really really small so good pub game cool 
All right. Well, then I am going to go from um, okay. from Glastonbury tour. I am going to head down to the south part of the UK, take the channel and head over to France. Not super far. And I am going to go with a bag building game. You have an idea of what this one might be? Oh, is it Orleans? It is. It is Orleans it is going to be my place for France. Um, my uh, Sumachan and I have actually been in the area, and it is a lovely, lovely, lovely part of France that I would love to go back to. Orleans as a game is probably is hold on in my opinion the best bag building game there is out there like miss me with that quacks of quedlinburg quacks and quedlinburg is okay or leon is the bag building game king okay but it is so what you're doing in orleans is you're going to um be hiring and getting these different workers that can be in different parts of your board and you're going to be drawing them out of this bag and based on which workers you draw out so it could be like a monk and it could be like a scholar, things like that. You can assign them to different spots. And once a spot is totally filled up with all the workers that it needs, then you can perform the action there. And Orléans is the definition of beige. I'm starting off with two very, very beige bros. But I, it is the first game that I ever actually looked at and went, I have no interest in playing this game whatsoever. And because it was my friend's turn, I, you know, I let him pick and I absolutely loved it. I went out and bought the game. I bought all the expansions I was in. So it's a beautiful part of the country, not a beautiful game, but I do like both of them. So that is uh, my second location, Orléans in France. That sounds interesting. Quacks of Quedlinburg is one of kind of our regular go-to games um i've never played Orleans, so i will definitely be having a quick look into that um, again i've been put off by the beige cover so we're now four for four on beige covers of games yeah what is going on um uh, yeah. my next game definitely looks good though i promise my next game definitely isn't beige so <laughs> hmm, that was an intentional oh, it doesn't look bad <laughs> all right what's your um, next one Okay, you're Germany so, to Italy. Yeah, so we're now going from Italy. Uh, we're going to get back on the plane and we're going to fly north uh, quite sharply uh, and go to Prague. Um, so um, we get, once we get to Prague, we're going to catch the train and we're going to head up to um, a famous tourist spot called Kuttenhorror, uh, which is in a small town called Sedlec, which might give away exactly what game I'm going to be talking about now. Uh, and that game's Skulls of Sedlec. Um, so it's a little button-shy game, very, very small, um, where you have different skulls. There's two on each card uh, stacked on top of each other, and you draft them from the middle, um, or dig, as it's, it's said, and you have to arrange them into a pyramid, um, and you get points for um, royalty being above everyone else, so how many um, peasants are beneath the royalty, um, you get um, murderers who want to be buried next to priests so that they're forgiven. You get romantics who want to be uh, like put next to each other in the stack. And there's different ways of scoring points by doing that. Um, the interesting thing is Kutna Horror is a church with a large ossuary where traditionally they kind of took um, yeah uh, people that had been buried uh, 
decayed into bones and they arranged them into candelabras, bookcases, walls, all sorts of things. Like So the whole place is just made out of bones. It's interesting and not quite as grim and creepy as you think it would be. Um, oh, it sounds so, interesting. Um, yeah, well worth just having a quick Google of, of that if, it, if it's of interest. Um, that was actually what I was just doing as you were talking. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, my, I haven't been to this one. My wife has. Um, but um, I have been to the Czech Republic. Um, it's a great place for uh, forests, again, like much like Germany. Uh, I did a lot of fossil finding there because I was a geologist at the time. Uh, the one tip I would have, though, is don't accidentally walk into any military bases whilst you're trying to find your fossils because then you get escorted away from that. That sounds um, like you're talking from experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, oh. There was no <laughs> or anything. I was just looking for fossils. And then, uh, yeah, this great big massive truck comes with flashing lights on. Um, I don't speak any Czech. So we had these picture cards and we were just like pointing on the picture cards at what we were trying to convey to each other. And basically the guy was like, you have walked into an army base by pointing it as like pointing at us and then this army man on the picture and then he was like, get in car, I drive you back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got taken out of the uh, military base. So, yeah, interesting place. Wow. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it's really odd because, like, my languages are very, very basic outside of English. Like, it's always like, please, thank you, hello, that kind of stuff. Um, but usually you can fall back on one of the languages so I could fall back on French or my ter my tiny bit of German or whatever else. In the Czech Republic, they don't speak any of the languages that I can speak, so picture cards all the way. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my um, third choice, schools of settler. All right. And, I, and like I said, I, we've talked about this before. Like I have yet to play a button shy game um, so far. Almost every guest that I have had on has mentioned a button shy game. So I really need to like get going on these. I've heard Schools nothing but good one. things. Yeah. Um, School of Satellite is one of the top tier ones, definitely. And it's the one that I play in airports quite a bit um, because you can just, you know, bunk it in your pocket and it's a good little 10 minutes time killer while driving a coffee. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, my next one is uh, the last one that I will be in Europe first. Um, and I, I, there are so many places in Europe that I want to go. Like I was tempted to pick like Lisboa and go to Portugal. I was tempted to pick something like glory to Rome and head to Rome, um, things like that. But out of pure coincidence, two days ago, uh, Simachan mentioned that one of the places she wants to go is Greece. So I picked somewhere that was in Greece and it is probably the best looking game on my list. And that is Santorini. So Santorini is a two-player only game that is an abstract game in which you basically your whole point is just to get to the third level of a tower so on your turn you move a spot you build one level that's your turn then you can on your future turns you can climb up and you build one level higher than uh the spot next to you so if you're on a, uh the ground level and the building next to you is a one you can choose to put a second level on that tower but you can't move up two levels at once so you have to go one level at a time so that's probably a very bad explanation of this game it is very simple game though and i do not recommend it at with like just the base no powers thing that is a very boring way to play 
but it is a beautiful looking game and nice enough um in the US at least you can get it at a lot of retail stores for pretty cheap which is really nice but Santorini just looks like an absolutely beautiful place to go it's very scenic along it's um uh, uh it's on the Aegean Sea it has beautiful views and it gives that Mediterranean feel that I feel like so far on my trip with the UK and France, I have not gotten, and I will soon be leaving Europe. So I want a taste of that Mediterranean food. I love Greek foods a lot. So that would be my third place, Santorini. Yep. Um, it's interesting to see, hear about the uh, player powers. The only time I've played this is using a tax set, you know, like the um, Pottery Rothfuss chess-like game. Um, so you can use that to play Santorini as well, but you don't have the powers. And I did find it a little bit dull, to be honest. Um, so oh, I thought it was I awful. I could, I didn't. Yeah, I had no idea what people were like praising this game about. I'm like, this game is so boring. You just move a spot, build, move a spot, build, which I guess sounds a little bit reductionist. But with the player powers, it's like, oh, there's a second win condition that only you have, or you can prevent another player from going in a whole direction on their turn. Like this, your opponent now can't move right. So it just completely changes the game. Or one player can suddenly have like three or four pawns instead of two on the board. So you can like essentially box your opponent in. It just changes the game fundamentally. And also, it, it does look great, the actual version, because you've got like the nice white towers with the blue domes on the top. Yeah very representative of the country. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah the city looks great. Uh, absolutely beautiful, picturesque. Okay, so so far you've been to Germany, you've been to Italy, you've been to the Czech Republic. Where are you going now? Okay, so this is the one where I've kind of forced the game and cheated a little bit. Um, All right. So we're going to go north from the Czech Republic and we're going to go into the very uh, north of Sweden. Um, so we'll fly into Karuna um, and then we'll take the train from there up to Abisko, um, which is one of the places where um, the Northern Lights Observatories are based. Um, so you can get a cable car up to the top of the mountain. Um, the mountain blocks the clouds out. So even on like a cloudy night, usually you can see the Northern Lights um, and you get your own patch of mountain to kind of stand wow. and lie down on and uh, watch the sky. It's, it's an amazing place, which is kind of why I've forced into this. Um, yeah this this game choice um but also this game has my favorite art version of the game so it's a very common game a lot of people use it as a filler and that game normally is called uh, no thanks um but uh the uh, scandinavian version uh, is called oh shit instead uh, <laughs> is fantastic. It's these little it's these little cartoon dudes um and three which is the lowest value is just the little cartoon dude having a nightmare. It's not too bad, you know, uh, on the scale of things that could happen. Uh, range you all the way up to 35 where a piano is landing on his head uh, and he's getting squished. So it's all different bad things happening to this kind of guy that looks a bit like Morph. Um, if you remember the orange plasticine guy that might be very British, I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, it might, that might be a Britishism there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. It might just, uh, yeah. Uh, he's basically an orange plasticine guy <laughs> that they did stop motion with. Um, but yeah. Um, so 
a bit of Northern Lights whilst I'm up there. Um, definitely playing some No Thanks and a bit of cross-country skiing, I think, if it's the right time of year. So um, definitely winter, not summer. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds nice, though. I, good to know that you're into skiing, though. I'm I'm big into skiing. We're we're big into skiing as well. But don't, I've never done cross country. I only do uh, downhill. I've swapped the other way around. Um, it's less scary, but it's more of a expedition, I suppose. Um, so oh. nice and cross country skiing is it's between cake huts. So you ski for you know a couple of hours, and then there's a cake hut where you can have coffee and cake. Then you get back on your skis and ski to the next cake hut, and then you ski back to your house. And it's just a nice day out. Isn't it? You sound like you do a less lot of. You sound like you do a lot of events in which you stop part way to either drink something or eat something. Because you were telling me about these, like, what is it, super marathons that you do in which you're, like, drinking beer along the way? Oh, that was, that's the Belgium Death March. So that went through um, various uh, breweries in uh, Belgium, and they would give you beer. If you went through the waffle factory, they would give you, like, Belgian waffles. Um, Yeah, they basically just keep giving you food whilst you do a 100-kilometer walk. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I'm sensing a pattern with you, Ben. Cake and long distances. Although I, I think it's um, my wife's um, influence. <laughs> oh, blame the wife. She's not even here to protect herself, to defend herself. Oh, she... <laughs> she, she does more distance than I do. <laughs> I'm just there for the cake. <laughs> so. All right, so excellent pick. So I am now going to be getting out of Europe. One of the things that is on my bucket list is to make sure that I get to all seven continents. Um, I'm not going to get all to all seven on this list, but I am going to get to six. So let's head to Africa, to Zimbabwe. My next game pick is the Great Zimbabwe. So this is actually a game that I have not played. There are a few on this list that I haven't played, but are on my like really, really want to play list. So I can't really tell talk too much about the game in and of itself, other than I know that it's a game in which you're going to be uh, gathering resources, getting tech. There's like some tech trees and you're building monuments to please like the god of your choice and they'll give you special powers. And it's like a great optimization puzzle. And really the thing that I've actually heard about this game the most is that this is a great um, getting a great onboarding to splatter spelling games is that it is the most accessible one. Now, I have played a few of their other ones, but that is probably the review point that I've heard the most about this game. So that does kind of excite me as like an easier to learn splatter spelling that doesn't take like a couple of plays to really get your head around does sound pretty interesting to me. And Zimbabwe itself sounds really interesting. So Great Zimbabwe is actually like the remnants of a supposed, like, like not really supposed, but of a great nation that we don't really know that much about, which is super intriguing. Like, wait, why do we not know about this? But there's proof that it existed. That's so interesting to me. But I'd also make my way to more like uh, touristy areas in Zimbabwe, uh, like Victoria Falls and uh, Hwange National Park. Again, just something that I don't have any other locations that I'm going to be visiting on my trip. Do you have any interest in going to Zimbabwe or um, Africa? Are you going to be heading to Africa on your trip? I guess, mild spoiler, not. not this trip, no, um, on this, this theoretical trip, I did very nearly go to Zimbabwe um, as well, but I was going to go to Zim- for Zimbabwe tri- trick instead. 
but it's one I have only played once online and I don't really count it as, as having played. Um, and I've already got one other game on my list that I haven't played, so I thought I can't have too many. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, you have me. I think I have four I haven't played. So <laughs> I think, I, uh, yeah, just one. Um, there. Um, but yeah, no, it, it sounds like a really interesting place to go. I think, again, I'd probably go to the more naturey things. Um, so yeah, go see some animals, go. Yeah. That kind of tour, that kind of tourism, more than the being in cities, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no, it sounds like you get to see nature, you get to see animals, like all that kind of stuff sounds super interesting to me. And again, like going from Europe, going like from Orléans to this sounds like a very different part of vacation. And that's kind of my goal with these uh, 10 locations that I've picked is every single one of them gives me something a little bit different than everywhere else. Yeah. So what's your next one? Yeah. My next one, um, so going from the very, very cold uh, kind of Arctic, uh, I'm going to get on the plane uh, and uh, get off the plane in my down jacket, roasting to death in um, India, in Jaipur. <laughs> um, ah. One of the few ones that uh, are a name of a place and the game. Um, so <clears throat> in this case, um, the game Jaipur, which is a game that, I play quite regularly. It's one that you can play when you're tired. Um, so um, essentially, it's two players. Uh, you're uh, drafting different uh, resources, and then you can play them in as sets to claim tokens with different points on. Uh, you can take camels, which count as extra currency. Um, and we've got a bit of a running inside joke, I suppose, with it, which is the brown uh, suit is meant to be leather but for some reason the first time we played it I thought it was potatoes on the card so now whenever you play a <laughs> card it's like here's five potatoes um, which makes no sense because there's like shoes and handbags and all sorts on that card um, but yeah um, the game of potatoes that no one thought existed <laughs> um, so yeah they definitely look like potatoes is my argument they don't, they don't look like shoes <laughs> okay uh, alright all right. So, I'm not going to argue <laughs> I know you're wrong, but like I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you know you're wrong. The other nice thing with this one though is if you're traveling with it, um, you can just take cards, um, and there's a really nice web-based app that runs on phones, which has all the tokens there for you, and it shuffles them all for you, and it keeps your score. So you can play it on like your train table or whatever, and all you need is the cards. You don't need all those tokens and all the other bits and bobs. Um, oh wow. So that's, um, worth knowing about um, yeah what so, did you want to do in uh, india heading... what do i want to oh, good point what do i want to do in india um i think this is more more naturey things if i'm honest yeah. um I, I don't think i'd cope in busy cities i certainly wouldn't be hiring a car uh, that looks utterly terrifying to me <laughs> um but uh, um yeah I, I think it would be more visiting animals visiting different habitats that i don't normally get to experience um and um yeah exploring the food and the kind of the the culture and speaking to people i suppose is the best way to put it um, or trying to speak to people with my terrible pitch cards um <laughs> so. india is a place i i definitely need to go before i die even just for the food i love indian food so much i used to have indian food 
once or twice a week. <laughs> so God, I gotta go. And I have some friends from there too. I would hope that like Jaipur the city is a little bit better than the game. It's a game that I I appreciate more than I like, if that makes sense. Like I know that it's like a really solid game. I just can't get myself to like be over the moon, have fun with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I can see that. It's I kind of see it as like Splendor Light, and Splendor's already quite light. I feel the same way about Splendor, actually. It's like, I appreciate the design, but I'm not ever like, this is super, super fun. Yeah. But it's a good choice, and it's, the, it's a good portable option. I didn't know about the phone, the phone app. That's really cool that they uh, made a way for you to do that. I think it's an unofficial uh, one, but it's, it's good. <laughs> Well, sometimes those are the best ones, though, right? It's like fan-made ones that really love the game, and so they make sure that it's good and does a good job. Okay. All right. So I am heading to Asia, where I will be spending quite a bit of time. Um, let's see if you can get this one. Based, like, I'll, I'll give you a list, like little hints up to it. So this game is a second edition. It comes in a purple box. It is from the same designer as Root. Oh, is it a, one of the PAX games? It is. It is PAX Pamir 2nd Edition. Um, I'm heading to the Pamir Mountains, uh, going to the Pamir Highway. Um, this is a game that is kind of a simulation. I think simulation is the wrong word, but I can't figure out a better one, in which you are playing the great, what is known as the great game, in which uh, you, in which took place in uh, Afghanistan between the British, the Russians, and the Afghans. And you are kind of battling for territory in this game, and it is so deliciously mean. And so there is not a game that I have played in which feels so much like there is a bit of randomness to it, but I deserved to lose because somebody else did something so extraordinarily clever. Or you might be out early in the game, but it was from your own stupidity. So we had one game of this in which somebody, so there's like a row of cards that you buy. And the further down the row you buy the card, you have to put coins on all the cards before it. So usually to start the game, Unless there's a card you really, 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 really want, you're like kind of taking it from the earlier parts of the rows of cards so that you don't have to pay as much because the economy is tight in this game. But he basically bankrupted himself going for the card all the way at the end of the row. And we all had a chance of basically knocking him out of the game because we're like, there's nothing you can do. You're out of money on the first turn. But it was it's your own fault. Everything feels like it's your own fault. And I like games like that that throw in just like a smidgen of randomness by the way that the cards come out but then you can react to those cards and react to each other you can change your alliances throughout the game so there's a bit of negotiation happening um i think this this list is probably coming to a shock for a lot of listeners like i play a lot of heavy games i don't really talk about them too much um but this is a great one, and I'm I am interested in going to the area. Uh, it is known as the the Wakan Valley, um, and kind of seeing kind of what happened and learning about the history of what happened with the great game. It's it's literally the game did such a good job with the flavor text on it that actually made me want to visit the place and learn about the history that I had known nothing about beforehand. 
which I think is a success. Even even if like I hadn't liked the game as much as I did, that is a success in and of itself. That sounds uh, really interesting. I haven't played this is one I haven't played. Um, I was put off by the heaviness of it, um, mainly due to um, not having the kind of bandwidth to be able to learn it, teach it, that kind of thing. Um, but definitely one that I'd be interested in giving a go. Um, yeah, it's on alpha lot. now at, at Board Game Arena, so it definitely makes kind of learning the game a lot better. And it's kind of interesting too because you really only are buying a card, playing a card, or doing something that's already on a card in front of you. And I don't know, what, there's something about Board Game Arena where you only have like one or two buttons that you can possibly push on a turn that just makes it seem like the game is not as heavy as you think it is. Yeah, it, it definitely helps because you can't do those missteps and carry on working it through the entire game. Um, so, yeah. Right. Um, that's a good, All right, good point. Um, so I am leaving India and getting on uh, a plane and flying to Tokyo. Um, then I'm going to... Oh, I like that city. Trains. Um, yeah, it's a great city. <laughs> so um, I could have spent all 10 of my travel games very easily in Japan. Um, but uh, decided that I needed to get around the world, not just focus on like small clusters. <laughs> um, so I tried to spread them out a little bit. Um, I also got stuck in Europe quite a bit and had to spread those out as well. Um, so picking one game for Japan was really quite hard. Um, I agree. Ones. Um, and there's so many great ones that are named after places as well. Um, so... The game I've gone for, um, unfortunately, isn't by a Japanese designer or publisher. Um, it comes from Finland. Oh, oh, that was okay. <laughs> what is it? It's um, so it's kind of got a bit of trick tape king in, in the very lightest sense, and it's a tile laying game. If that gives you any clues, it's trick taking with a tile laying. Is it? Is it one of those like Honshu? Straight into it. Yeah, yeah, it's Honshu. Um, so Honshu, I really like. It's like multiplayer um, Sporopolis, which is a button try game, which you won't have played. <laughs> um, but never mind. Um, so you're overlapping different cards to build clusters of different types of settlements, mountains, um, quarries, those kind of things. Um, you're generating resources and the beginning of each round, you're playing this kind of mini trick-taking game with the numbers in the corners, um, where you're kind of bidding to take the first choice of what's been arranged out. So you have things in your hand, but then you might not actually get to ever play those things in your hand because someone might swipe it from underneath you. Um, the other thing is halfway through the game, you pass your hand around the table, so you have to kind of keep things in your head about where your cards are going to end up to try and get them back. Um, all this whilst making kind of a very visually pleasing map um, of the Japanese landscape. Um, so it's not too complex, um, quite an easy teach, but um, yeah, ticks a lot of boxes for me, so quite a good uh, game. And then for the what I would be doing there, uh, well, I'd, I'd probably be traveling up and down the country quite a lot, but to narrow it down just to like one key thing is I think I'd be going towards uh, the Kamakochi area, the Japanese Alps, uh, spending a few days on the trails there, going between mountain huts. Um, that was one of my favourite places, I think. Um, definitely my favourite alpine environment I've ever been in. Um, 
globally, I think. So um, that's pretty high praise, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah. And you can still find vending machines at the top of mountains. It's amazing. Don't know how yeah, you can. That. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I used to have uh, friends who would um, take pictures of the like most random locations that they could find a vending machine. And often they would be like, we found a vending machine that's all the way on top of this mountain for some weird reason. There's no people up here, but there is a vending machine. If you haven't been to Japan, listeners, um, they don't really believe in trash cans on the street. Like, you got to kind of hold your trash. But as often as you would see a trash can in Western countries is how often you see a vending machine, if not two or three in clusters. They're everywhere. All right. I, I think that's a good that's a good pick. I've heard a lot of praise for that game. Um, so I, I definitely want to check that one out. And I uh, we're definitely going on opposite ends of the uh, weight spectrum here because I'm going even heavier now. I am going to be taking a trip to the island nation. In fact, it is the um, largest island nation in Asia. At least I think so. I'd be really embarrassed if I'm wrong. Uh, it is Indonesia. Okay. So this is the second Splatter Spelling game that I have on my list. Um, again, this is a, a game that I haven't played, but I really wanted to go to Indonesia because um, just by happenstance with the my specialties in both my undergrad and my grad, my graduate school, um, I've learned a lot of about religion and especially Asian religions. And so I would love to go to Indonesia and visit all of the Buddhist temples, especially I think it's Borobudur, Borobudur. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm really sorry, um, which is a UNESCO site. But I also want to eat the food, like Padang food. Um, I don't really, I can't really, again, I can't really attest too much to how good the game is. I know that this is one of the most divisive in um splatter spelling games because of how like as accessible as great zimbabwe is a lot of people will say indonesia is the hardest to get into the the mechanics themselves don't sound too um like there are things you've heard about before there's a pickup deliver action okay there's an auction action and it is kind of described as an advanced version of the classic game acquire but then there's like this merger mechanism that can happen where it doesn't even have to be your own company that you own. Like it can, you can decide on mergers of different companies and suddenly you can bid on these companies and kind of completely bankrupt somebody and give them, they have no companies. And so the reason it's divisive is because it is one of those spotter spelling games in which you can pretty much know you're not going to win half an hour into the game. And then you still have two hours left that you got to play. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I think that that's the reason, but it has, but it must be good because it's ranked like 288th. I know that BGG, the rankings are like skewed towards heavy games, yeah. but, um, this is just one that I want to try just because I do like the other spotter spelling games that I have played. And I just wanted to pick it because I really want to go to Indonesia. That sounds like good enough reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely didn't force myself into um, Sweden, so we're <laughs> <laughs> <All> good. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that's probably too far on the heavy scale for me 
to try um, at the moment. Um, but um, yeah, sounds like an interesting combination of um, mechanics. So, forcing myself to leave Japan. I've clearly stayed there for at least a month. So, you know, I've, I've got to do all the things I wanted to do. Um, I get on the plane and uh, to break up my journey, so it's not too long a flight, I've decided to fly to Hawaii. Um, so, um, this one is probably the most thematic to the country that I've gone for. Um, it's the game I haven't played. I do own it. Uh, I own the really, really old version of it, which came with like pictures drawn with a black biro, probably on a bumpy road. <laughs> By, yeah, it's very scruffy looking. And this game is Bottling. Um, so three player trick taking game. Uh, based around the uh, Robert Louis Stevenson story, uh, Bottle Imp, which is based in Hawaii. Um, oh! Huh. The idea... I did not know that. Is No. Uh, so it's one of the short stories uh, that he wrote. And the premise of the story is basically there's a bottle which contains an evil little imp that can make all of your wishes come true. And... If, but if you die whilst owning the imp, you will go straight to hell. Uh, you can get rid of the imp, but you have to sell it for less than you bought it for. So it goes through various generations and people keep paying less and less for it. It gets to a point where you can't split the money down anymore. And there is a bit of a twist in the story, and I'm not going to ruin that thing. I want to go and look it up. It's, you know, it's a short story. It's pretty easy reading, but it's quite a good one. Um, but yeah, the idea here is you're taking different tricks. And um, from what I understand, uh, if you you can also end up with the bottle, um, but then you have to get rid of it for a lower and lower and lower amount. And eventually, if you're the last player with the bottle, um, pretty sure you lose or you lose lots of points. Like I say, uh, I haven't got around to this one yet. Um, there's a few nice versions. The Korean version is really, really nice. You get a little wooden bottle with it. It comes in a nice box and it's got kind of more storybook art to it. Uh, the original version, like I say, is very scratchy black biro imp <laughs> stuff. It does look a bit weird. I like it, but you know, not to everyone's taste. Um, and then there's some with like cardboard imps, uh, cardboard bottles with the imp in them um, as well. So there's a whole variety of that different game, but um, it's meant to be very good, very mean, and only works for three players. Um, I just haven't really had the right group to play it yet. So there's one I'm looking forward to playing. And I thought it fits quite nicely with the kind of thematicness of the country. So yeah, that's Bolland. And what are you doing in Hawaii? Uh, what am I doing in Hawaii? Um, well, I kind of feel like I have to go and poke some lava with a stick as a former geologist uh, who has never poked lava with a stick. So. <laughs> um, is that like a grant? Is that like a like requirement of geologists? I didn't know that this was part of the. I think it's a rite of passage thing. Slash, if you see lava, you have to poke it with a stick. Um, I'm not entirely sure, um, but yeah, um, I don't. Well, I have been on some active volcanoes, like in Japan, but I haven't been to anywhere there's like lava flowing that you could poke with a stick. Um, so. I don't think the people of Mount Asso would be very happy if I went down into the crater and started poking things. No, so. no, no, no. Um, 
Yeah. Cool. That's that so where, where are you heading from? I am not yet to Japan. I've got one more stop. Because you know I'm going to head to Japan. But I do have one more stop to go to. Um, this one feels like I'm cheating by putting it on the list. Because it hasn't even been released yet. But, what? But, it did get crowdfunded. And there are, like, prototypes out in the wild. And this is Taiwan Night Market. Um, it, early reviews, like, from the prototypes, I mean, I know there's, like, the Kickstarter, like, hype and stuff. But this looks like a really interesting game based off of the exact location that, like, I want to go to in Taiwan. I want to go to this night market. It is so famous. And the only time that I've ever gotten to go to Taiwan was over a layover. Um, literally, uh, we had like a three hour layover. And so in, in Taipei, so we, <laughs> we like ran, like we got, we got through customs. We ran out the airport, took the high speed train to the, the closest mall we could find, got some Taiwanese food, and then went back to the airport and booked up and like got on our flight with like 20 or 30 minutes to spare. So I actually do want to spend some time in Taiwan. Um, but the Taiwan night market game is you're basically you're like bidding on locations and opening stalls for the night market. And there's a bit of like airy majority going on. There's that bit of bidding that's going on. And again, it's it's a game that I mostly picked because I want to legitimately like go to the night market itself and get to experience that atmosphere. But the game itself looks really interesting. I'm kind of interested once it comes out and to see early reviews, I, you know, this looks like a game that could be right up my alley. That sounds really good. I haven't, I haven't actually come across that one yet, and I'll definitely be looking at that after we finish recording. Um, so, um, but yeah, that kind of thing appeals. It sounds a bit like, um, not overlapping with, but kind of similar to Iki, um, that kind of street market ah. theme. Um, but yeah, that's another one that I want to try some point soon as well. Yeah, this one has 100% less fire. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, from Hawaii, after I'm going to have to pack some a very strange assortment of clothes for this trip. Like, <laughs> got some yeah. minus to like positive 30s. And yeah, I'm going to have to pack some strange assortment of clothes. But anyway, um, so back on the plane, um, continuing east, and I'm going to fly over to the U.S. and land in... You're already in the U.S. You were just in Hawaii. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I saw the opportunity and I took it. Yeah, it feels like I'm getting on the plane and going to a new, new country, so yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, yeah, so I'm flying over to Portland, um, which... Uh, is apparently a city that contains a lot of bridges, which might give away exactly what game I'm, I've chosen to uh, play here. No, I don't. I I, I just no. thought they played a lot of poker. Is what I heard. Oh yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. So uh, the game I've picked here is uh, Bridge City Poker, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is the good way. Um, so I think I prefer to play this one at two or four. I think is where I've kind of found the best interactions going on. Um, so it's kind of a 
trick-taking shedding game for anyone that hasn't played it. Um, it has power cards, which is a bit of a twist. Um, so you can like pick which power card you want to use and kind of change the flavor of the game to suit your group or to suit what mood you're in. So you can have like a really aggro set of power game power cards and keep like ruining everyone else's day. Or we can have something a bit more kind of chilled if you want a bit more chilled evening. Um, we can just select a matter of random and see what happens. Um, but the other bit that I really like is that when you're sh playing shedding games normally, one person sheds out and they don't score any points or they score lots of points depending on the game. Um, and everyone else goes, oh no, I didn't get shed out. Whereas in this particular game, you get to burn a bridge, which is just get rid of everything in one suit out of your hand. And that small tweak um, just makes it so much more exciting for everyone around the table. So, you know, someone else might have shut out first, but you've just kept a whole hand of greens and you still basically win the round. Um, and I, I think that's a really good twist of the game, um, which is kind of why I've picked that particular one. Um, again, I've said kind of earlier on that I'm not a big city person, so um, I'd probably get out of the city and go and head into the mountains and into the woods and uh, do a bit of trekking around to see what I can find. Um, but uh, whilst playing pretty poker with some people. So, um, yeah, that's my pick for number eight. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think four is my favorite player count for it. So, yeah. good game. It's very... It's a completely different game at two players, though. It's one of those, like, if you were reviewing them, I'd do them as, treat them as two separate things entirely. Mm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, just because of the feeling of it more than anything else. Um, oh, for sure. That's, um, for sure. Yeah. So you're. I'm guessing you're heading into Japan now. You must be getting to Japan soon. I am. I am finally here. I am in Tokyo, but I'm not in Tokyo. Like, I'm in Tokyo, but I'm not in Tokyo. Because I'm actually in the former Tokyo. This is a game that I think should get way more praise than it does, and that is Edo. So it's actually spelled Y-E-D-O, and I have like the deluxe master set because I really, really enjoy this game. It mixes uh, worker placement and um, I want to I want to say like contract fulfillment is probably the best way to describe it. So basically. Through worker placement, you are going to be putting your workers down and getting certain things. And there are some certain spots where you can buy a weapon, for example, or maybe you're getting the favor of um, Geisha or something like that, right? And in your hand, you have missions that you need to be accomplishing in which you need to acquire certain goods. So maybe you need to acquire um, an annex or maybe you need to have a specific weapon. So only shurikens will work for this assassination mission that you have to go on. But that's not enough because once you get all the required things, you then have to set your workers up in the right spots on the map. So maybe for this mission, you need one person downtown and one person over in uh, the Geisha area. And only if you have all the goods that you need and you have the workers in the right spots, do you get to fulfill that mission? And so there is, um, I, I I think I'm, I'm warming up to Agricola, but to me, like it always has felt a little bit too punishing, but I do like the feeling of like really hoping that somebody doesn't go where you need to go because there's only a, an X amount of people that can go to that spot. Edo gives me that 
feeling. But it's less punishing because, you know, maybe this turn I can't fulfill the mission. So I'm going to go try and do something else. But there's still that like stress of like, please don't go. Please don't go. I really want to fulfill my mission. And there's only one spot left in the downtown area. Please don't go there. Please don't go there. Please don't go there. Um, There is a bit of randomness to it Um, in which weapons. So like you might need. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> No. I was going to say, and then someone inevitably jumps into your space every time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or you might be waiting for a shit again. And the katana comes out and smoke bombs come out and you just like don't get the shit again for a while. And then once one comes out, somebody else is higher in the turn order. And that's another thing that you need to like worry about. Of like, okay, if you really need to get to that spot, you need to waste a worker to get earlier in the turn order. Next round. Things like that. There's just so much to... Um, think about but it feels so thematic and so cool so i just wanted to like i've talked about yokohama so much on this podcast that i couldn't like pick it yet again um but then of course there's so much to do in tokyo if people are going for the first time like so much to do if you're listening to this podcast probably akihabara is a great place to go but there's so much that you can do day trip wise from tokyo um not to mention if you're going to be there for longer, heading over to Kyoto, Hiroshima, uh, Okinawa, Hokkaido. Hokkaido, which is the northern island, it has the best food in the country, I think. Like, Tokyo has the most Michelin stars. I think it has the most Michelin stars of any city in the world. I think. But I'm, it's it's either one or two. So that is a game I've never heard of, um, but we'll definitely be looking into. Um, my first, the, the game that got me into board games was Agricola. Um, which is kind of a harsh start. Um, but I suppose you're making quite a nice form, so you know you feel like you've built something at the end of it. Um, but the thing that I struggle with with Agricola is not so much the meanness, it's more the fiddliness. Like, it's that end of round, put a thousand sheep out and like put wood out and all those kind of things. Does um, Edo kind of have as much restocking, <laughs> I think is the word? No, it's it's mostly cards. And that's the thing that works well with like the deluxe master set. Like, first of all, I think there's a lot of people that went in on the deluxe master set that ended up not liking it because of the randomness. Like they thought it was going to be more agricola level of harshness, and it's not. Um yeah. so you can get it for not as expensive, but you can also just change it. So like this, um, like you can change to have different themes of like this game, we're going to have lots of these kind of weapons or it's been a while. So I can't remember exactly the themes of the different decks, but you can like mix and match and stuff. It's really, really cool. All right. So for my Tokyo, I'm going big city, which I mean, you're just like, nah, I don't want to go to a big city. No, thanks. But where are you going next? So I think we last saw you in Portland crossing a bridge and burning bridges for some reason. Like that's not usually a recommended thing in life but you know yeah um no i think actually tokyo is probably one of the exceptions in of cities that i do actually quite like to go around um i think the thing that i didn't realize was i was taking loads and loads of photographs when i was there and they're all coming out like really well uh which sounds surprising and i looked at them when i got back i was like why do these photos look so much better than if i went to say like birmingham or manchester and took photographs there was no cars because people don't park cars in the middle of the street they always end up mm-hmm. like in a car park elsewhere and just that lack of like vehicles parked everywhere and 
yes, it was busy at rush hour and things, but other than that, it's quite courteous and, you know, it's not too bustly. Um, so actually, I quite like going around, checking out that. And this is a bit sad, but I really like looking at the inspection covers, manhole covers on the floor, where they paint them all up to be different patterns and uh, decorations and stuff. So when I'm going back to Japan uh, next year, um, we definitely have some time set aside to go and find the Pokemon inspection cover. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Can... I've seen that one online, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, most people probably aren't excited by that. But <laughs> I'm a bit of an odd one on that, so... Uh, hey, I mean, as long as you're enjoying your own vacation, that's really what matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the only vacation I've ever come back from with photographs of manhole covers. So it has that claim to fame. Um, but anyway, I'm going to get back on the plane uh, in Portland and I'm going to fly um, all the way across the US um, to not stop again. I did originally have a stop off in Ohio, but um, I ended up swapping it for the last two games on my list. Uh, so okay. I'm flying straight I... and I'm going right forward. Hold on, hold on. I have one, two, three le left. How many do you have? I have two. Okay, because I thought we were doing a seed game in the UK. Oh, okay. So why don't you add that Ohio game? Okay, yep. So I will uh, add the Ohio game now. Um, so there we go. Uh, unbreak Zoom. Um, right. So uh, we're going to stop off in Ohio um, as an unexpected uh, detour on plane. Um, so uh, in Ohio, we're going to be playing uh, a lesser-known Rainer Knizia game. Um, the actual game, if you were to buy it with its artwork on its box, looks absolutely horrendous. Um, and it's called Ohio. Um, so it's a reverse uh, climbing game. Um, and every person I've played this with, it breaks all of our brains uh, because everything's going in the wrong direction. Um, because it breaks everyone's brains, you're all on kind of even footing with that. Um, and it's just very silly. Um, I can't work out whether it's pure random luck or whether if you played it enough, there would be um, a bit more skill to it. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it's one of those games that's really good to play with kind of a stick'em deck or a rage deck or something like that. Um, getting hold of the actual one is really difficult. And like I say, it's one of the most ugly box covers I could think of. So. Um, yeah, um, so my unexpected stop is in Ohio. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do there because I wasn't planning on stopping. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, so Reiner Knitsi is Ohio. Have you played that one? I have not, um, but I can definitely recommend you things to do in Ohio um, because I used to live in Pennsylvania for a while, which is right next door. Um, so we went to Ohio quite a bit. There's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's popular. Uh, the best amusement park in the country is there, if you're a big amusement park person. Um, and then, of course, you got to go to Skyline Chili, which is like they've caught something called like the three-way and the four-way. Don't take it that way. It's a way of ordering your chili. Okay? Um. <laughs> But it's like spaghetti, chili, onions, cheese. But the chili is really good. Okay. Stop. 
I don't know. Just some things to do. But I don't think Ohio is that uh, popular of a tourist destination in the U.S. I don't I don't think. Because no. it's like going to Stoke-on-Trent if you come into the U.K. <laughs> All right. So the next one, I'm heading to South America. And I am heading to one of the seven wonders of the world. I'm heading to Machu Picchu. And I am playing okay. the Princes of Machu Picchu which is another game that I have not played. I think this is the last one on my list that I haven't played. Yeah, this is the last one that I haven't played. Um, this is an old Mac Gertz game, uh, the designer behind Concordia. And so in The Princes of Machu Picchu, you are the, the Incan um, princes, and you are gathering resources because the Spanish are there and they've kind of kicked you out of your village. So there are a couple of different end game win conditions based on if the Spanish get to the top of Machu Picchu or if the princes kind of hold them off. So it it is a game in which um, it's hard to read the reviews now because um, most of the reviews are from like 13 years ago about this game. So the questions are like, how well does it hold up? I don't actually know. But I, another thing that I really want to do, along with going to the seven continents of the world, is visit all of the seven wonders of the world. And so getting a chance to go to Machu Picchu is on the bucket list, and I cannot wait. And to play a game from probably one of the most respected designers of the 2000s is the cherry on top. Yep. That sounds excellent. Machu Picchu trails very high up on my list of things to do. Um, but uh, I've not heard of this one, this game at all. This is yeah another one that definitely needs looking up. Yeah, probably. How old did you say it was? Um, I know the reviews are mostly from like 13 years ago. Let me see. Princes of Machu Picchu is from 2008. Okay. So, yeah, I might not have even started board gaming at that point. Um, so, either that or I'd be very early into it. So. Yeah, this is before Concordia. This is five years before Concordia. So, a lot of the reviews from people about this game are like, you can see, and people have said this about his other early work as well, of like, you can see part of it that became his later work. The ways yeah. that he like refined it and improved upon it, but you can see the bits of creativity that he had, and I think it is pretty fun to see um, kind of how uh, a game author kind of that lifespan and develop. Like you don't always have to play their best work; you can play the work that led to that great work, and you kind of respect them in a new way. Yeah, um, sometimes the older ones are a bit more gritty or less polished, and that can be yeah. a better win in some cases. Um, yeah, so. I'm going from Ohio now to um, over to Ireland. Uh, so I'm going to, it didn't really matter where I went in Ireland. So I've just kind of plumped it at Dublin because uh, that seems like a convenient airport to stop at. Um, and the game I've picked uh, is the second Rainer Knizia game in a row, <laughs> um, which is unexpected. Uh, and that game is Celtis. So I almost uh, picked this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the precursor to Lost Cities, and it's the, the board game version. Um, for this particular one, I've picked the newer release where you've got the double-sided board. 
So you can play it as standard Celtis, which is basically four-player lost cities. You can either ascend in order through the colours, and when you do that, you'll move up um, the colour score chart thing, and you'll pick up lucky stones and um, extra points and things like that. Um, it has that really nice tension where you have cards in your hand you don't have any need for or you don't want them, but if you put them on the table, you know someone else wants them, so you hold them in your hand and then you block your own hand up, and there's all that kind of hate drafting thing going on as well, which is always uh, a good laugh. Um, uh, and Lost Cities is probably one of my favourite games. Uh, again, it's another one where if you're a bit tired, um, you can kind of play that anyway. And as long as you use the scoring app and don't force yourself to do complex maths at the end, it's all good. Um, so that's another one where I'd re really recommend uh, using the scoring apps um, for it. Um, but yeah, Keltis takes that, makes it four player. And then if you're feeling a bit more like you can cope with a bit more brain burning, you flip the board over and then uh, you have similar rules. So you're still trying to play consecutively higher or lower. You're still hate drafting, but now you have roots. So you start off down the pink route, for example, and that might branch into a yellow and blue route. And then you can get blocked off and you can start blocking other people off as well. So it becomes a lot more um, mean in some, some ways. So not only can you like hate draft the cards, you can block people off. You can you have that tension of, oh, am I going to make it to the T-junction so that I can continue up the board? Um, yeah. Um, changes very much the weight of the game and uh, the whole experience of the game, to be honest. Um, so that's a great little game. Um, much cheaper if you get it in German, and there's mm -hmm. no English on any of the cards anyway, so why not? Um, I, I definitely picked it up for about a tenner, so, you know, super cheap. Um, highly recommended. Uh, and cool. whilst I'm in Ireland, um, what am I going to do in Ireland? Don't drink anymore, so I can't go and drink Guinness. Um, so I guess I'm gonna, yeah, I guess I'm gonna go kind of walking. There's a few um, geological bits and bobs I'd probably go and explore. Um, yeah, stick the waterproofs on and go for a walk. I think um, so. it is a lovely country. It really is. Yeah, it's it's been a long time since I've been to Ireland, despite it being so close. Um, it's just. I think it's the faff of getting a ferry is probably what stops you from going. Um, yeah, somewhere I should probably explore much sooner than I probably will. Um, okay, so you're All heading right. from oh, luck. <laughs> I am heading uh, from Machu Picchu. I am heading to the U.S. You're in the U.S. more than I am, actually, because I'm I'm just making a brief stop into a major airport. That's fine. Um, I am going to be playing a game that is known as an 18xx games for Euro fans. Uh, it is City of the Big Shoulders. Okay. Um, this is the nickname for Chicago. Um, and City of the Big Shoulders is really one of the best entry points for somebody like me that. I am just le actually learning this game for the first time, and I'm already like enamored by it. I'm just so intimidated by getting into 18xx games that I've had a couple of people be like, all right, you like Euro games. 
play City of the Big Shoulders first, and then we'll get you into 18xx and you're so you're running a company, you're still running companies, you're trading goods, you're producing, you're trying to get managers on and hiring them. You're trying to sell stocks and figure out what companies are valuable. But it has much more of Euro-y mechanisms to it that ultimately nothing actually feels that difficult to grok if you've played other economic games before. Even if it wasn't that heavy, none of the mechanics in and of themselves are actually that difficult, which is kind of a cool stepping on point. But Chicago is a fantastic city. It's one of my favorite cities in the United States. Um, please don't be intimidated. Um, I know that like internationally, it's kind of more known for being dangerous. Um, it really is not like you're you're going to be okay. But there's so much to do there. The food there is amazing. The museums there are incredible. Um, just the overall atmosphere of the city is a place that I cannot wait to get back to and is on my short list of once I move back to the States, as I think uh, Simachan and I inevitably will, it's on both of our short lists of places that we would live. So yeah, that's City of the Big Shoulders. And yeah, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to eat some Chicago style pizza and you can hate on it all you want. I think that that is the I think that and Detroit style pizza are the best pizzas. Miss me with that Brooklyn style New York thing. Like that's not. I'm like coming in hot today with these things. Like I'm just like cracks a Quedlinburg, get out of here. Brooklyn style pizza, get out of here. I was expecting small light games, and we got these massive, chunky, crunchy things. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm traveling with these. You know. I need the workout, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> How battered are all these games going to be though? By the time we've been through like uh, customs and baggage handling. <laughs> Ah, uh, good point. <laughs> There's going to be meatballs everywhere. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Cool. All right. What is um, your final one? Okay. So I only have a short hop left, and then I'm back to where I started. So um, I'm going to head uh, northeast and uh, fly into Edinburgh. Uh, so this game uh, could have been anywhere in Scotland, to be honest, but Edinburgh is a nice, easy um kind of airport to get to um and i can go visit some friends so that's always nice um and the game is um probably my most played game but most played game online um and i've only ever played it at two player i think it does go to three and four now um and that game is haggis so haggis is one of those um kind of famous dishes of Scotland, um, uh, which is made out of various entrails and oats and things like that. Um, not particularly appetizing ingredients, um, but never mind. And um, I've got like the original indie cards and games version, um, which has kind of grab art and it's quite hard to get to the table. If you've kind of got a pile of games, all nicely brightly coloured, they've all got things on, and you've got this kind of drab looking one. Most people don't tend to take you up on it. Um, but when you're playing two player, I generally just use a standard deck of cards and a couple of poker chips, um, and that tends to go down quite nicely. Um, it's very overwhelming in person the first time you're taught it, 
or you're teaching it to someone because there's so many different ways you can play your hand but that is kind of the beauty of the game um you can you know hold cards back and try and uh, kind of let the other person run their hand out and then sneak in at the end uh you've got these wild cards that are publicly available uh, everyone can see whether you've used them or not so you can kind of scope out whether you think you're going to uh be able to kind of beat them uh or not or whether they're gonna have to pass um and you also have bombs so the bombs are really good because it's using the numbers three five seven nine so whilst they will clear the trick you don't get the points they go to your opponent so it does have a cost um but it then means that you have control of the next trick so um, you have to decide when you want to do that whether you want to give the points away but also by using those numbers they break up any of the runs you might have had because you've taken those dividing numbers uh, in in runs um, so learning to read your hand is yeah um really really tricky um but i usually have you know three or four games of haggis running at a time most days of the week um where we just play one or two cards per day um so yeah one of my favorite games um couldn't really not have it on the list so. well now i know i could never beat you in that you're well practiced um still not very good uh, i generally get destroyed by most people so it's all good but um it is just a fun game and i suppose whilst i'm in scotland uh full of mountains um uh, if i was uh yeah what else is there Lots of mountains. <laughs> Gonna stick with that. Uh, lots of mountains, peace and quiet. Um, yeah, there's some really nice bits of road. The other nice thing with Scotland is, with most of the UK, you can't camp anywhere you like. You can't walk wherever you like. You have to kind of stick to the trails and the paths that are public. Um, whereas when you hit Scotland, you can go anywhere you like um, within reason, as long as you're not climbing over, you know, very massive walls. Um, and they also have lots of bodies around, which are just like freely available, drafty barns with beds in them and a wood burning stove or whatever. You can just go there for free, stay overnight, and uh, explore the area. So, yeah, probably do some longer, longer paths uh, that way. So, yeah, that's haggis. Lots of hiking, you know, and, and lots of like cross country things and hiking paths. Very outdoorsy. Yeah. Yeah, very, very outdoorsy. Um, I think it's just getting out and having a break from things, to be honest. Um, sure. Doing a bit of exercise. And, yeah. It's a good thing for vacation. Like, that's what vacations are good for. And Haggis is, of course, it's a great nice game. game. We've talked about it on the podcast before. All right. And, and nice, I'm yeah. going to. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm going to say it's just a nice way to kind of slow down the pace. If, you, if you're walking everywhere, everything changes pace. Um, and then you have those breaks, like stop for lunch at a picnic bench or a pub. You can play a quick game, pack it away, carry on, go to the next one. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So where are you going for your last country? All right, my last country is I am going to stop at uh, one of my favorite countries in the world. I am going to the Republic of Ireland. Uh, and my game is Brian Baru, High King of Ireland. Um. So I get the whole country of Ireland, I suppose. Um, I studied abroad there in, in Ireland in uh, the city of Limerick, which um, was so great. So, I mean, 
going back there, I'm going to be able to see my friends from college, which will be nice. Uh, I'll get to take Sumich on there. I've always promised her that I'll take her. So we'll probably do all the touristy stuff in Ireland, like Blarney Castle and uh, go to the Cliffs of Moher. Uh, things like that. Go to Dub- go to Dublin and take her on the Guinness tour and the Jameson tour. Um, we'll go to County Cork and go on the history tour there, which was really fun. Probably go up. Um, I know it's like Northern Ireland, but go up to Belfast because um, you don't need a separate like passport to do that or anything. You don't need a, or a separate like visa to do that. So take her there. But uh, the game itself, though, uh, Brian Baru is an interesting blend of area control and trick taking because really on like the main thing is that it is an area majority game. But trick taking is a mechanism to accomplish that. So there are certain times in which you need to decide, well, okay, if I lose this, this trick, then I get a certain different power. And sometimes those are the powers you actually want. You don't want to actually get the benefit of winning the trick. So you're going to be playing all over the map and kind of deciding, all right, this is the trick that I want to win with, but this is the trick that I hopefully, hopefully, please, please, please let me lose so I get the benefit from losing this one. And it is one of those games where it's like, the first time I played it, I'm like, do I like this? Do I not like this? And I get this way with like Pierce Sylvester games. Uh, same person who did The King is Dead, which I had the same reaction to. I'm like, do I like this? Well, I should play it again to figure it out. Okay, second time. Did I like this? You know what? I should play it again and I should figure it out. And it's like, okay, by this point, it's like five, six times you've played this game. And it's like, okay, I think I maybe like this. Um, but have you tried Brian Baru or <laughs> The King is Dead? Because I, I, they are different games, but they uh, kind of give me that yeah. same, like, my brain hurts when I'm done with this. Um, no, I've been very tempted by The King is Dead several times. It's one of those that goes in the basket, out of the basket on a regular basis. Um, I don't, I think the thing that puts me off getting it is that I've already got Rumble Nation, which I feel is kind of similar. And I also quite like, um, the German game, um, Dick Demon or, uh, Fat Demon, I think is what it translates or Thick Demon. I can't remember what it translates as one of those things. Um, but they're very kind of similar kind of um, area majority kind of movement games where you have, well, Rumble Nation definitely has those play the cards to move things X, Y, and Z uh, locations kind of things. So it, it's never made it into the purchase bag, um, but uh, it, it is one that's interesting. Um, yeah, I definitely think, yeah, The King is Dead. It's definitely a very acquired taste game. Um, I think Brian Baru is probably um, the more widespread appealing one. Because it is cool. Like if you win the trick, it's like you gain influence. And so that feels cool. If you lose a trick, you're gaining whatever like that certain card can do based on the suit. You're gaining that benefit, which also feels cool. So it's like it does feel a bit more. It has those positive dopamine hits more often in the game yeah and even if you get it and you like play it once and you're not like a huge fan it is cool to at least try once i feel like yeah um that one that one sounds um good problem is that um sam doesn't particularly like trick taking so kind of those two is brian brew two player or is it four 
Um, Brian Baru goes like it's three to five. Oh, okay, so yeah, uh, I was thinking just be a case of finding a group. Um, for it again, yeah. like there's a lot of people in my main group which I can't overload with too many trick takers, although I'm getting very bored of it very quickly. So you have to kind of sneak them in, in between different games. It's like hiding veggie things for kids. Um, <laughs> you, have to, you have to hide the trick takers in, in amongst the other games. Um, so yeah, hmm. but no, that one sounds good. really interesting. Do you want to go? Just go over real quick the countries that you've been to on your trip. Yep. Um, so I started off in the Midlands of the UK, uh, flew to Duff Dusseldorf in Germany to play Hansa Teutonica. Then we went to Milan in Italy to play Condottiere. Uh, then made a short flight over to Prague uh, to play Skulls of Sedlec. Uh, then we forced in a trip to North Sweden, to Abisko, so that we could play No Thanks um, and pick up the one with the good artwork. Uh, then we made our way into India to play Jaipur. Uh, then we headed over to Japan uh, to play Honshu. Um, then we made our way over to Hawaii, where we played Botlimp. Um, took another flight over to Portland, to play Bridge City Poker. Uh, then we made our way back to the UK where we landed in Ireland to play Celtis. Uh, and then moved up to Scotland uh, to finish off our trip playing Haggis. Yep. And I started in Glastonbury Tour to play tournament at Avalon. That's the UK. We went to Orléans, France to play Orléans. We went to Santorini to play Santorini. We went to the Great Zimbabwe to play the Great Zimbabwe. Um, we went to the Pamir Mountains to play Pax Premier Second Edition. We went to Indonesia to play Indonesia. We went to Taiwan to play the Taiwan Night Market. We went to Japan to play Edo, which is the former name of Tokyo. We went to Machu Picchu to play the Princess of Machu Picchu. We went to Chicago to play City of the Big Shoulders. And we went to Ireland to play Brian Baru, the High King of Ireland. Well, Ben, it has been fantastic to have you today. Do you want to give that discount code one more time for people to uh, get some get some money saved off your site? Um, yeah, so if you, if you want to save 5% on the travelgames.co.uk, uh, so there's a dash in between travel and games, which is very important. Otherwise, you'll end up somewhere different. Uh, and the code you're looking for is Board Game Dojo 5, uh, all capitals, uh, no spaces. Yep, and I will put a link. Perfect. And I'll put a link to the that site below. Anything else before we get out of here today? Can they find you on Twitter otherwise? Um, yep. Yeah. So we have um, an Instagram account and a Facebook account that are pretty um, active. Um, we do have a Twitter account, but it's currently not very active, so I need to do something about that. Um, but, uh, or X, yeah. I guess, now, right? Oh, yeah, it's changed. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, and you probably need to use that a bit more. Um, yeah, that's generally where you can find me. Um, the other one is if anyone's looking for any particular games, um, whether they're imports or just hard to find out print games, um, the best thing to do is just drop me a quick message. I add it to the list of things that I'm looking for. And whilst I'm hunting through many sites of games if i come across it then uh, i'll try and get it for you so yeah that's a good place for those 
game hunting uh, service. Sweet. So that's a, it's a pretty useful site for those in the UK. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for today's longer episode of The Board Game Dojo. You can find us on Twitter at the BG Dojo, on Instagram at Board Game Dojo. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Have a fantastic, wonderful rest of your day. Until next time, arigatou gozaimasu. Janne.